either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our films. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, we have got some interesting films to talk about this week. Unusual even, but interesting. And we'll get to them all. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start out with the latest Liam Neeson action thriller. An assassin for hire finds that he's become a target after he refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organization. It's a remake of the 2003 Belgian film The Memory of a Killer. This is called Memory. Your shooter's losing his mind. Anything else I can do for you? The room number again? It's on the key holder. Ah. Hugo thinks it's a pro settling scores. Trafficking, Vincent Sierra. I can't keep doing your job for you. Who is this? You're too slow to make them pay. What they did to children. They're not doing anything about it. He's taking out the traffickers that we couldn't. He's interfering with an international investigation. You said he wasn't going to be a problem. Good man, Vincent. If I can't finish this, you have to. But they have to be punished. I want justice. Yes, if you go back to that original film, that was really well regarded. Mm. So it helps that the latest from Liam Neeson here at least starts with a better, better source material because he has made... A lot of movies in the last few years. And they all bleed into each other, right? I mean, speaking of memory, yeah. it's hard to really look back and remember <laughs> which one is which. Yeah, a lot of them kind of do. And uh, the best thing about this is it's it's probably the best of the bunch of those. It's not a, a great film, but if you're a fan of Liam Neeson and uh, he can still, at 70 years old, crack a few heads, this does the job. It's in theaters, and uh, yeah, he stars as a, as a longtime assassin. But uh, he'd like to get out, not only because he's getting older, but because he hasn't really let on that he is starting to feel the effects of Alzheimer's. He wants to get out, but as in many of these uh, films, uh, the assassins can never really get out, so they have at least one more job for him. But this one involves taking out a child, and when he gets there and finds that the target is a child, he refuses to do it. So that immediately puts him in the crosshairs of the people that he used to work for. So not only is he being hunted by them, but he's also being hunted by the feds who are involved in the case that has to do with the people that he was trying to kill and who's behind it. And what it's all involved in a big child trafficking ring and all that. So and that'll remind you of Taken, obviously. Sure. Um, and there are other movies it's going to remind you of, especially when the one of the uh, feds, the leading um, investigator here is played by Guy Pierce. Yeah. Because early on... Hey, in, is there a Guy Pierce movie where there's some sort of a memory? Right, especially <laughs> one that involves writing things on your arm <laughs> to remember. Early on, Liam Neeson's character, Alex, does that. And then, late in the movie, there's a scene where Liam shows Guy Pierce his arm and says, I was writing things on my arm to remember, and that one was a little too much for yeah. me. Like, wow, because this movie does not have a cheesy wink-wink tone no, at all. No, But to be saying that to Guy Pierce, I'm like, oh, that makes you obviously remember, roll your eyes a little bit and remember a better movie. Actually, it makes you just want to go watch Memento. <laughs> exactly. And you know who else is in the cast? Monica Bellucci. Yeah. Uh, you really don't see her in too many English-language films. I mean, she still has a little bit of trouble 
with the language, but that's okay. I mean, American actors certainly have trouble when they're trying to do some other accents <laughs> and, so, and other languages. But it's always good to see her, and she's in here as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's directed by Martin Campbell, who has been hit and miss over the years. He did Casino Royale, mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Craig Bond, and he's done some good action flicks. This one has some some decent action sequences, not not a lot, and the the mystery is sort of by the numbers. You can kind of feel where it's going. It also sometimes with the child trafficking, child prostitution thing, uh, recalls the uh, first Denzel Equalizer film. Yeah. Uh, but again, you're going back 20 years to uh, so really the source material predates that as well. But uh, they make a few changes from that first movie, which is also based on a book. So. As Liam Neeson late in his career uh, thrillers go, this one is better than a lot of them because there's been some really yeah bad ones. Yeah, shaky stuff. Uh, it, it's not great by any means, but it'll do the job if this is up your alley. And it's in. It will probably get more eyeballs. I think this is one that sort of screams streaming. Sure. You know, if you're just sitting at home. But uh, this one is in the theaters at least for now, and it is Liam Neeson, and it's called Memory. Well, next up is a very similar title. But a very different film. A woman from Scotland, while traveling in Colombia, begins to notice strange sounds. And soon she begins to think about their appearance. This is called Memoria. It's, um, it's, it's like a rumble from the core of the earth. Bang! And, and then, then it shrinks. This is probably 6,000 years old. Oh. Yes. Drilled into her head to release bad spirits. Well, this is the latest from starring Tilda Swinton. So if it's starring Tilda Swinton, or even if it's co-starring Tilda Swinton, right. we're interested. Yes, we are. Um, and it's the latest from a filmmaker from Thailand whose name I am not even going to attempt. It's a tough one. It is. <laughs> He's the but, writer-director. But, you know, his films are unlike anybody else's. Yeah. I mean, you're you're never going to see another movie like this movie. It's so hypnotic. It's so it's fascinating. It's a fascinating movie. It's gorgeous. Um, and that's a good thing, well, for a lot of reasons. But you're only going to see it in theaters. It may never be released uh, digitally. And right now... You're not going to see it in a lot of theaters because they're doing a rollout, a theater-by-theater rollout. So here in Columbus, Ohio, Memoria is playing at the Gateway Film Center for a week. It won't be back in Ohio until June or July when it plays somewhere in Akron. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, schedule for release. I mean, he is—I'm going to try this name. It's Apiketpong Wirsethakul. And that's, I'm sure that's nowhere, nowhere near. But anyway, <laughs> just to try to to name him, he's, he's committed to working outside the studio system, working outside the box, as they say. And the movie certainly is. Mm-hmm. But what rolled out like this, almost like a, a traveling exhibit is how they're, yes. they're presenting it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it is worth checking out. Now, it's not one of these that tidies up anything. I mean, you're going to have a lot of people leaving the theater going, what did that mean? And thinking about it. But you will be thinking about it. It's so... It's so interesting because, yeah, she starts just hearing this, uh, call it a, a gong kind of a thing. Yeah. And then she's she's obsessed with finding, she thinks it's construction or something like that. And then she realizes that it follows her yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. And, and then she, it's it's a mystery that she's trying to solve. What could this sound possibly be? And then it becomes a sort of a fractured story about memory, yeah. about collective memory, about sort of cultural memory. And, and history. history. And, it's And it's... 
you know, it goes. It spends a lot of the of time in a in a city, and then she travels into the countryside, and the whole film takes on a completely different tone at that point, and becomes this just sort of gorgeous odyssey that she's on to just not not even so much just discover the the source of the sound, but just to sort of discover the world, discover life. It's just such a beautiful movie. Yeah, with a really, uh, the, the twist at the ending, I did not see coming, no. I'll tell you that. And I, I you probably won't either. But yeah, early on, she goes to this sound engineer yeah. to try to recreate the sound for her. And he gets very, very close. And then she comes back later to the place he was working. And, he's, and she is told that nobody by that name has ever worked here. You're like, what? And then she finds this man out in sort of the <laughs> outskirts who has the same name. As that sound engineer, you're like, what? And he has memories, and, and do they share something? It's just, and then it takes this turn at the end, and you're like, ho, ho, ho. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's about all we can say. <laughs> right. It <laughs> really is a film. I mean, I, I, I've seen before. It's fascinating. But just, it defies summarization. It, it does. absolutely does. And, and so we're just not doing it justice. It's an incredibly unusual movie, a little bit bewildering, but in a good way. Yeah. It's really, really worth seeing. I, I, I highly recommend that you check it out. Yeah, and of course, Tilda Swinton is great, and she, she does Perfect, it with really. a, a limited amount, especially early on, a limited amount of dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, early, her, her confusion and her, her obsession with this sound, mm-hmm. and where is it leading her? She just sort of just goes where it leads her, and that's okay. And then she gets involved with this... this um, Exi- or not this uh, study, I guess, mm-hmm. this uh, excavation of these scientists. This is not really her area, but she gets involved in these digs that they're doing and what they're finding. And, yeah, there's collective memory and uh, some other things that we won't mention. But it's it's fascinating. It's surreal. It's dreamlike. And it's, it's, it's beautiful in the way it unfolds. If it is anywhere in your area coming through, even for a week at a time. Seek it out because well, it's, yeah, it's an and, experience. And know that if it is in your area, it's only there for right. a week, so go. Right. And by the way, you can check the full release schedule, dates and cities and venues at online at memoria, that's M-E-M-O-R-I-A dot film. Let's go to Hulu next for a teen comedy romance sex comedy. An aspiring young artist joins her high school track team and later discovers what real love feels like when she finds herself falling for an unexpected teammate. It's called Crush. I need to be on my A-game to get into Cal Arts. Through your medium of choice, show us your happiest moment. No pressure, though. Paige! Come on, no edibles before school. We've talked about this. You think that your crush on Gabriella Campos is Cal Arts-worthy? This semester, I'm gonna make my move. It's time for you to move on. There are plenty of other queer options for you to date. Hey. (laughs) Are you coming out today? I've actually, I've been out for a really long time. I'm extremely gay. I was actually talking about track tryouts. Now I have to become an athlete, make the perfect thing for CalArts, and pick the right girl. I haven't kissed anyone. I don't know how to kiss. Yeah, you're probably a terrible cousin. You need to teach me. No. What? What? No means no, Paige. Come on. I'm learning that when it comes to art, you can't force it. It's a lot like love. This is a fun one. You know, this is a this is a really fun, upbeat. Completely unrealistic, but in a nice way, romantic comedy. Yeah, you've got rookie director uh, Sammy Cohen and rookie writers Kirsten King and Casey Rackham. It's all their their feature debut, and it's it's going to remind. It is. It's very sweet. It's very feel good. Reminded me sometimes of Coda 
in a different way. Reminded me of Love, Simon, mm-hmm. which I also liked uh, because you've got these, this uh, main character of Paige, and she's played by Rowan Blanchard, uh, and uh, she is openly gay and has nothing but acceptance and reinforcement from her mom, played by Megan Mullally. Hilarious, as get, always. Get to her in a minute. I'll get to her in a minute. And, and all of her friends, and everything is very, very accepting, and it creates, early on, very purposefully, it creates a very sanitized situation, but but a, a safe space, which is nice and gives the film a, a good feeling because as as the track coach, another scene stealer played by Asif Manvi, points out when he's talking to a, the group of kids, I know 60% of you are queer. Uh, <laughs> the, the the formula here, uh, much like Coda, which, which really wrote a formula and, and did it well, this one does the same, but it's driven by the queer kids, which... They don't always get the chance to drive the narrative right, here about exactly. a teen comedy. So, They're usually the best friends. Right, exactly. But no, this is a world where they are concerned more about their crushes than any negative reaction from who they're crushing on. Right. It's just accepted. You're this way. I'm that way. Everything's fine. So at least for 90 minutes, it creates a very nice safe space. You know it's it's unrealistic in a lot of ways, but you, you go with it, and it creates it from the very beginning— and uh, it's it's worthwhile. I mean, it's funny. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it's cute and it's sweet. And uh, there are wink, wink nods to the parents that may be watching because through the the per, the uh, older characters, not only with uh, Asif Man- Manvi and Megan Mullally, but also Michelle Buteau plays the principal of the high school who happens to be obsessed with uh, Renaissance festivals. Uh, And that's funny, too. So it's all a little wink-wink without being awkward and trying to pander to kids going, hey, look, we're cool, too. Yeah, and especially when the mom, Megan Mullally, and the coach, Asif Manvi, start uh, having eyes, making eyes at each other and openly uh, sex-talking each other. And you can can just imagine how awkward that is for the kids, but they make it a hoot, believe me. It's funny because Megan Mullally is just funny. She is so funny. Yeah, and he does a great job, too. They just steal all kind of scenes. As the uh, plot centers around Paige, who is trying to, she's got drama, but it's not from being gay. It's from trying to fill out the papers for her dream school, Cal Arts, to try to get into it, and work up the courage to make a move on her dream girl, Gabby, played by Isabella Ferreira. And then she's accused of being this school vandal. There's these uh, nice, actually nice art murals going up all over the campus that are called vandalism by the administration, and they think it's her. It's not her, but she agrees to not be suspended. She'll join an extracurricular activity. She picks track because her crush Gabby runs track. And she'll try to root out the real identity of the vandal, the art vandal, known as King Pun. But just when her crush Gabby might be feeling the same and reciprocating, Paige starts realizing she's very attracted to another teammate, played by Ali Cravalho, who was the voice of Moana. That never seemed like Paige's type until now. So then you have a classic situation. Exactly. Yeah, but it's different because it's all for the, for the queer kids, and they get to be the stars this time, and that's totally fine. It's fun. It's and nice. Refreshing. It's a nice change exactly. of pace. Exactly. But the main thing is it just gives them a safe space mm-hmm. so that if you have kids going through this that aren't lucky enough to live in such a upper-middle-class, constantly accepting and, and reinforcing situation, they can at least feel like they do. It's a good like, fantasy. Like, it's a, exactly. It's it's a fantasy. But I mean, you know, almost every high school's high school movie is that's all it is. Is a sure. fantasy high school. That right. high school doesn't look like any other high school on earth. It's just 
a place where really attractive heterosexual people get to just pine for their beloved. So yeah. it's nice that it finally isn't just heterosexual kids. Yeah, and and it's not one that wallows in angst or wallows in specialness. None of them have zits, which is still the thing. I mean, <laughs> that's <laughs> unrealistic, but hey, it's just something that is nice and cute, uh, especially if you can find it just on Hulu. Might be something for kids of a certain age really to watch with their parents and maybe have a discussion about things. It might open up might give you an avenue to to have a discussion about things. But uh, we enjoyed it. And it's on Hulu now, and it is called Crush. Let's move up the age range a little bit for another rom-com. As if their prearranged date, organized by their traditional Indian parents, wasn't uncomfortable enough, Ravi and Rita are forced to shelter in place together as COVID-19's reach intensifies. This is seven days. Have you been on a lot of range dates? Oh, yeah. My mother is desperate. You're not? No, never. It's just exhausting. When can I see you again? Not for a while. So do you want me to stop calling? Why do you want to get married? It would be nice to have someone to cuddle with. You don't need to be married to cuddle someone. I literally do. I've been trying to do this for a year now, and it doesn't seem to work out. That's not what love is like. Love, it's not something you grow like a plant. You can't just go from being complete strangers to living together. Which sounds like it should be a horror film. In fact, I'm sure that title has been used for horror. Well, films. I just can't quit thinking about the kid in, um, you know, the kid Samara. in the ring. Go and seven days. Oh yeah. No, this is a comedy. This is a comedy, and it's a fun one. It is. We might. I can't remember. Did we talk about this before? Because it actually had a limited uh, theatrical release a few weeks ago, but now it's rolling out on streaming. So it's a lot. Of, have a lot more chances to see it. I can't remember if we did, but we're going to talk about it quickly again. Because it is good, and we're not the biggest fans of rom-coms, but this one does a lot of things right. Yeah, and it's funny because it's two in a row, right? Because we aren't. Neither one of us cares for the rom-com, and here we have two back-to-back. And one of the reasons both of them work is because they finally take a different perspective, which is fun. And this one has just really two very reliable, charming leads. Yeah, Karen Sony, who is also a co-writer. And Geraldine Viswanathan, who I've liked in a bunch of stuff. Oh, sure, absolutely. Of course, Sony was in uh, Deadpool and Deadpool yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Geraldine has been in a lot of, a lot of stuff, too. Uh, blockers and bad education. Mm-hmm. She's always good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they are thrown together because of shelter in place. They're both going on these dates, mainly arranged by their traditional Indian parents, as the synopsis says, because they're just in these situations, like even from the first date, you're just encouraged to start talking about marriage. And so Ravi, he he's all on board. Rita, not so much. No. She, she's pretty much doing it because her mom pays her rent. Right. And so, uh, so she goes on these dates. She goes on the dates. Just but, to get done with the date right. and go back to her life and her apartment she doesn't pay for. Right, because she's got something going on the side. She's really not interested. She's playing the role, and she's not really traditional at all, whereas uh, Ravi is. And then there's shelter in place. So, of course, what happens? They get to know each other. They're having to stay in the same in her apartment because... Of COVID. And again, we say this all the time with rom-coms. You know where it's going. How is it going to get there? Right. And they really, they upend so many cliches in this movie. But I think, I mean, and the writing is smart. Uh, but I think it's the, the two performances are the reason why you care so much for these two and hope that it works out. For them. Yeah. And it, it will remind you in some ways of The Big Sick, which we loved, one of our favorite rom-coms oh, for sure. from a few years ago. But it's also very has a very nice uh, cultural perspective, obviously very steeped in the Indian culture, which is great as well. And we, we've got to say that it's um, co-written and directed by Roshan Sethi, who this is really interesting when you find out he's he's a doctor and he started writing 
for medical TV shows, medical dramas, when he was still in medical school. Right. Harvard as if med he school. didn't have enough not, to not do. Not like just any old med school either. <laughs> I know. It's like, good Lord, I'm going to do my homework, and then I have some time. Let's just write for a TV show. But uh, So he's moved on now to movies, and uh, and this one is definitely a winner, uh, especially, well, I was going to say, especially if you like rom-coms, but even if you don't, because, yeah. again, we're not we the don't. biggest fans. But when they're done right, any you mm-hmm. know any sort of genre, even if it's old and tired, can be done right. And this one certainly is, and it's a lot of fun, and you can find it, well, pretty much on all the streaming services right now, and it's called Seven Days. Another streamer next. This is a thriller. Two women flee into the New Mexico desert to escape the clutches of an insidious cult. Consumed by fear and paranoia, they can't shake the feeling that they are being followed by its leader. A man is seductive as he is controlling. This is called the aviary. Something was changing at the aviary. We had to leave before somebody got killed. I didn't join a cult. But that's what it was. I didn't know what it was. How long till Gallup? Two days. Boy took his computer. It's not just us running away. What's in the way of your joy today? Do you know what we can do to him with this? Oh my god. It's civilization. Is anybody here? No. Gallop is 25 miles in the wrong direction. How is that possible? You're not Seth. You're the devil. Nalan Ackerman stars in this one as she has been a part of this cult. Uh, she's one of the uh, high-ranking members. She's uh, an engineer, she keeps saying. And she's finally just realized that Seth, the, the leader of the cult, is a bad dude and, and he's doing the wrong things. And she's she's bringing her friend Blair, uh, played by Lorenza Izzo, with her because it's her fault Blair is there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's important to her. Malin Ackerman's character, uh, Jillian, to to break free, but it's equally important for her that she gets her friend out of there because she she put her friend in harm's way in the first place. Seth, who is throughout the film mainly uh, uh, as a figment of their imagination, right? He's played by Chris Messina. Yeah. It's a very interesting casting choice. He's played by Chris Messina in a dad sweater. <laughs> and um, one of the reasons it's interesting is because well, he's a really good actor, but also the performance is so not sinister or seductive, as the IMDb uh, summary <laughs> suggests. It's more empathetic yeah. which and tender, which in a way makes it more insidious. Mm-hmm. You know, you just think to yourself, oh, I do want to hug him. He does seem like a good guy, you know? Right, right. Um, but the problem is this is also a, a COVID production, clearly, because you have a total of three people in the cast. Yeah. As and, Seven Days probably mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. not only not not only in content and in storyline, but also in production. Right. Very limited cast in this one, same deal, which we're going to keep seeing. Yeah. It's just a nature of what we just went through. We're going to keep seeing that. It just sometimes it works really well, like yeah. it did with Seven Days, and yeah. sometimes it feels trying. And and the problem I think with this film is that when you only have a total of three human beings in a ninety minute runtime, the writing really has to be spot on, as it is in Seven Days, and it's just not here. It lags. the The plot needed a few more bursts of some sort of action or activity, and I think partly also because you've got no, you've got nothing else to distract you that when you get to the surprise ending it's it's more of a head scratcher than a mm-hmm. mind bender you're like well that that kind of petered <laughs> out didn't it yeah we've we've mentioned before that the pandemic has been a challenge for creative people but creative people still find ways to be creative yeah. and some over these last years 
I was going to say months, but it's been years, uh, have risen to the challenge a little more successfully than others. Yeah, that's not to say that this is a bad film. It isn't, and the performances are solid. Uh, it's just that, you know, it's not a great film. Right. It's decent. Yep, and it's uh, it's VOD. Mm-hmm. VOD as well, streaming, called The Aviary. And another one streaming, another rom-com. To revive their marriage and reconnect, a couple takes a self-prescribed digital detox weekend to a remote mountain town. What starts as a perfect weekend getaway without technology quickly spirals out of control. It's called unplugging. What is a digital detox? We're going to unplug from our phones for the weekend. Connect with nature and each other. A sex vacation? Definitely not that. It's really remote. That's the magic of this area. It's two shots. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We want to get back to our rental, but we can't drive. I'll do it. Who's this? This is Lulu. Hi, Lulu. She's in top. She's a raccoon. <laughs> Gonna need this. Yeah. No, yeah, thanks. we are. No, 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 we don't need a gun. Yes, we, we don't do. have a. How are you not freaked out by any of this? This is code red, man. Code red. Are you two doing bath salts out there? Uh... Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com, and she was pretty disappointed. Eva Longoria and Matt Walsh. Star Matt Walsh co-writes, right? And so I guess she, you know, you you made me don't expect it to be the greatest movie, but I think you do expect it to have some laughs. Those two are funny; they're they're very capable in comedic roles. The movie just doesn't really have any laughs. But I right, and it gets very, if this is a word, high jinxy, right? Uh, but I do give it credit for hitting and addressing head on. The fact that Matt Walsh would be married to Eva Longoria. <laughs> I mean, there's an outkick your coverage thing there that we have to address, and it addresses it. <laughs> I mean, he's a co-writer. He knew that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got to talk about this. Right. No way this guy's married to Eva Longoria. No, yeah, they do. They, they get do. it out of the way early. They do. Um, but, you know, the other thing is that, you know, so Matt Walsh, his character uh, is is he's determined that they have to get off of their devices. And as they drive away to their, you know, gadget free weekend, their daughter is standing there on the phone. And it doesn't seem to yeah. occur to either one of them that they should also be concerned with their daughter's <laughs> amount of time she spends on the phone. Yeah. The big problem is simply that, yeah, it, it relies too much on hijinks and yeah. it doesn't find a lot of laughs. Exactly. And that's a problem for a, a romantic comedy. Also, uh, Leah Thompson and Keith David pop up. That That's always good. I do love Keith David especially. But the truth is they're very lazy characters yeah. that yeah. are just there so you can go, oh, Country folk are weird. Yeah, I was going to say. And that's that's maybe the worst part of especially it. Especially for the broad brush painting of the rubes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but uh, too many hijinks and not enough real laughs for unplugging, and that is on VOD as well. So pretty limited batch this time. Everybody just waiting on Doctor Strange next week. So let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. And we're checking back into the lobby with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. The Schlocketeer. And I know that CinemaCon is happening this week in Las Vegas, so I know there's been some announcements. Uh, yes, there have. Let's let's go with the bad announcement of the week, for, <laughs> okay. or at least the troublesome one. Um, of course, uh, the 10th Fast and Furious movie, which will be a two-part installment, uh, has lost its director. I'm sure they'll find someone else, mm-hmm. you know. But the fun thing about that is just a peek behind the curtain – how much money does a blockbuster of this size lose 
when it's put on hold? And the answer is upwards of 600000 to a million dollars a day wow. while it's on hold. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I have to give you credit. You're the first one I've I heard say this. Tell me the title, what you think should be the 10th installment of the franchise. I'll give them a little bit of credit. They seem to be using it as a tagline, but the official title of at least the first part is Fast X. I wouldn't be surprised if the second part is going to be called Furious X, but it should the hopefully they will use it for the tagline, but Fast 10 your seatbelt. Yes. I mean, it just kind of yes. flows. And that's none more ridiculous than any of the stuff that's in the movie. Exactly so, yeah. right. Just go for it. I, I saw you post that some time ago. I thought, yes, I sure hope they do that. But uh, we did get some titles for some upcoming sequels. Um, thankfully, most of them have subtitles. So we're not, you know, doing this sort of thing like earlier this year, we had a new Scream movie, new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Right. They're both sequels, but they're titled the same way as the original film. <laughs> it just gets confusing. Well, we don't have to worry about that here. Um, James Cameron's first Avatar sequel has an official title. It is called Avatar The Way of Water. That arrives on December 16th, of course, but Disney is also re-releasing the original in theaters on September 23rd for anyone that hasn't caught up with it. Yeah, and I heard, maybe you heard this too, uh, I have a, a couple of friends who are at CinemaCon, and they showed a little bit of the new Avatar, and apparently mm-hmm. it's filmed in high frame rate, and that's, at least with the person I know that was in the audience, didn't go over very well. Ooh, hopefully uh, hopefully it'll look all right when it arrives. Yes. Um, we also have got titles for the uh, double sequel uh, installments of the new Spider-Verse and Mission Impossible franchise. Nice. Um, Spider-Verse 2 and 3 were originally just going to do a part one and part two thing, but they have separate subtitles now. The first one is called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and its 2024 sibling will be titled Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. All right. Mission Impossible is going the other way around. Mission Impossible 7 will be called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and then 8 will be Dead Reckoning Part 2. Uh, that conjures Land of the Dead memories for me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> somehow I doubt he'll be battling zombies. Right, but you never know, because I think Tom Cruise would insist on real zombies. Probably. He probably <laughs> would. Um <laughs> They also announced this week that the Wicked adaptation will be split into two films. So I guess part one will arrive December 2024 and then part two a year later Mm -hmm. in December 2025. And that is Cynthia Enrivo and Ariana Grande. Yes, it is. Um, Well, I, for one of the two of us, is looking forward to that. (laughs) I'm the musical fan. I I like musicals, so I watch it. Yeah. (laughs) And I've got a couple of quick dates for you. Um, Shudder's Unleashed, speaking of zombies, Shudder is unleashing the zombie gore fest, The Sadness, onto their service on May 12th. And Netflix has a Rebel Wilson comedy called Senior Year, arriving on May 13th. Shudder has a um, horror film documentary, The Found Footage Phenomenon, dropping on May 19th. I'm sure you can guess what that's about. (laughs) And then for anyone that loves absolute nonsense, Netflix will premiere Jackass 4.5, on their service on May 20th. Uh, that's a supplemental feature comprised entirely of gags and stunts that were cut from Jackass Forever. And while Jackass Forever is available to stream on Paramount Plus, Jackass 4.5 will apparently always be a Netflix exclusive. So, got to have both services if you want to watch. And that's all I've got for you this week. All right, man. Uh, we will talk to you well in a couple of weeks because we're going off to shoot a movie. So, we'll talk to you then. Hey, I'll be here when you're ready. 
All right, we mentioned Doctor Strange coming out next week, but I think as we've mentioned before, we are taking a couple weeks off of the podcast. That is correct. Why are we doing that? I just mentioned it to the schlocketeer. We're going to go shoot our own movie. <sighs> we start filming day after tomorrow, uh, <laughs> Obstacle Corpse. And yep. so uh, there will be two Fridays where we won't have seen any movies except right. for what we are filming. <laughs> so we're going to take those two Fridays off. Yeah, a horror comedy called Obstacle Corpse. Hopefully, we hope to have it all done and ready for eyeballs at least by fall. Yep. Right? That's when we will start uh, hopefully hitting some festivals. Yep. And then we've already said it many times to each other. Never again <laughs> are we going to attempt this. Never again. <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, We laugh the, so we don't we cry. We laugh. That's exactly right. So we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. In the meantime, <laughs> please keep in touch. And, of course, if you're interested uh, in the production, we'll be posting regular updates about how we're doing out there and how many people have actually died. Hopefully none. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find us uh, on uh, socials uh, at Mad Wolf on Twitter, also at Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews, our other horror movie only podcast. New episode dropping here uh, on Monday, right. by the way. That one called Fright Club. You can find that all at madwolf.com. All right. So hope to hear from you. If not, we will get back in touch in a couple of weeks. Stay well. Until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.